I'm going to talk this evening, friendship, friendship. This is a uh, something that was basically suggested by Shoka by ask, asking me some questions, so or a question. I thought that would be a, make a good Dharma talk. I guess we'll find out. So the way I would def- divide this up so we can better understand what it is, the different kinds of friendship, very simple. Friendship is someone you meet that you have an affinity for, you have common interests, communication is very good. Uh, they seem to be hearing what you're saying and understanding what you're saying based on how they respond to you. And so, and this can go back and forth, I'm sure when you met somebody in the fourth grade or when you were very young, that you just clicked, you just knew that you were going to be talking to this person quite a bit, that they, you had an affinity. And as you get older, and even as you get younger, you uh, you see that those that you consider your friends, uh, if you look closely, you'll see that they are people who really understand you pretty well, see you pretty well, and are not, even though they see your self-deception, they see your difficulties, they may see your, you, they may have a good glance at your neurosis and your difficulties in that way, might see your idealism, might see your, uh, as I said, self-deception, your vanity, and all you know, all those other things. But they don't mind because they love you and they care about you. And they, you know, they just, that's just part of the package of being friends. Unless the weather, when I mean the causes and conditions around this friendship, go awry to trigger things in one and the other that have never been inspected, that suddenly things start, start rushing to the surface that look like they're in the present moment. And they are not. They are invading the present moment because of causes and conditions that are beyond any of our control, then the friendship could go awry. Usually it's a pretty good friendship if it can weather through things like, you know, um, to be just to be very blunt with you, you sleeping with someone else's mate. If your friendship makes it through that, it's a pretty powerful friendship. It just doesn't mean anybody's going to forgive you. It might not even come up. It might just be, might just step away from it. So there's all kinds of areas like that that show up and, and everyone has their own story, stories, whatever about that. So that's the initial kind of friendship. And then, you know, there are lots of variations and maybe in question and answer, we can come up with uh, um, different ways of looking at this or addressing it through or with the, 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 uh, with an eye to the practice, to the awareness practice. Next kind of something I'll call a friendship is the kind of the one you're kind of forced into, uh, like with your brother, uh, your sister, your, your mother, your father, you're going to have to be friendly with them, even if you don't particularly care for them. Or if you are in a situation where I was put in where my uh, biological father was killed when I was four uh, by um, uh, an insane group of people called uh, the Nazis. Uh, then I had a stepfather, which was, uh, I don't think he was a, he's not an evil guy and I didn't have bad intentions. He was just extremely confused and tend to take, tend to take out his aggression and uh, revenge on those around him who were helpless. Uh, but you still have to be friendly because if this is the person feeding you, so you're going to have to stay on pretty good terms with that person. Same thing with your brother, especially if the brother is a head taller than you are, or your sister for that matter. So we have that kind of a friend, a biological containment. You're in a family and you're only nine, not much choice there. So you do the best you can and you try to find that friend at school or in the neighborhood that you have something in common with so you can have some support, so you can have some fun, so you can have some entertainment, so you can have some relief from 
those other kinds of friends. And so the next friend I would like to uh, talk about is someone that shows up in our practice. It's called the Kalyanamitra or the spiritual friend. And that show that can show up in, in the Sangha, um, your Sangha Dharma brothers and sisters. Uh, all of these kinds of friends can show up in this area because it is uh, has to do with each person's individual connection with the teacher, with the teaching, and with the Sangha. Think about the, the, the spiritual friend or the Kalyanamitra or the teacher, or, or in uh, some traditions called the guru, is that that person is uh, so concerned with your welfare that they will not buy into your self-deception, to put it politely. Doesn't mean that they won't watch it for several years and watch how you work with that. If, if a person is a true spiritual friend, they're not in a rush for anything. They're not even operating in terms of how much time we got left. You may be doing that if you're on the spiritual path. One of the one of the things that is commonly said on the spiritual path that you should practice like your hair is on fire. They're not talking about a rabbit. So it's just a metaphor, an image to help you uh, tune into the actuality of one of the main uh, marks of the three marks of existence or the four marks of existence, depending on how you're talking about it. Impermanence, nothing lasts. Anything you can point to, anything you can indicate will not last. The worst possible stomach ache you've ever had will go away. I mean, your, your life could go with it, but it will go away. Everything goes away. Anything that shows up is going. It might even be on its way out as soon as it shows up. Quite often that happens with pleasure. And that's why we have the, the three types of suffering. The pain of pain, which is obvious. The pain of alternation is when pleasure is about to leave. It hasn't quite left yet, but you're already miserable because you know it's going to be long and you're going to run out of dessert or run out of that good thing that you were enjoying. It's almost gone. You can't even enjoy it as it's there because you are so concerned about the assumed next event of disappearance. So the spiritual friend... Again, going back to that that person who functions as your teacher, it could even be a, a, a Sangha in the Sangha situation or a Sangha member. Chances are, if it's a Sangha member, that person won't really know that they're functioning as a teacher. They might they might not be have a clue about that at all, but your interaction with them because of their dynamic, because of the way they act, because of the, <clears throat> the, the what is showing up when you relate to them is is right in your face, right in your face, right in your face. You all know what I'm talking about. It is not about getting rid of that by blaming them. It is not about get rid of, getting rid of that by blaming yourself. It is not about getting rid of that by blaming anything, any relative truth you can point to. If, if we're going to use relative truth to validate our actions this way or that way or any way, then why even have a spiritual path? There's no point in it. If you if you if you're always going to be able to figure this out and say who's wrong and say who's right and who's this and who's that, if you can just think of it and use logic. <clears throat> logic is a, a hollow train. Not that it doesn't go somewhere, but there's no one going. Yeah, so the, how do we train ourselves to work with this whole idea of friendship so that we can so we can understand? You can by using those other forms of friendship, the the childhood friend or the friend who loves you no matter what you do, just about. Even if you step on their feet, they love you so much that they, what, forgive you. And uh, the whole idea of uh, forgiveness and uh, apologies and forgiveness is also something we can go into maybe another time. I'm not in favor of those particular dynamics other than on a very small scale. No big deal about apology or forgiveness. 
So the spiritual friend or the, the teaching person who is actually actually is your teacher will help you in by, as I said before, not buying into your self-deception, uh, but also because they're clear about who they're dealing with, if they're clear about who they are, and they, if they're going to teach, they're going to have to be clear about who they are with, with no doubt, no doubts. If you have doubts, you shouldn't be teaching. I'm not saying you can't tell somebody how to meditate. I'm not saying you can't explain the three poisons. I'm not saying you can't talk about the five skandhas or the the five uh, dharmas or the or explains anything like that relatively. Of course you can. If you understand it, you can explain it. You can help people in that way. That's a different kind of teaching, but not to function as one's uh, spiritual guide, so to speak. So the teaching person, the spiritual friend, may show up not so friendly, but probably only if you're really to ready. I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but there's something about your dynamic where you're really able to receive that as a teaching, not as just as a trigger for your hidden uh, uh, or cause of your hidden uh, aggression, your hidden passion, your the agenda that's under the surface that even though you meditate a lot, it's still not quite coming out. That teaching person may may just watch you and listen to you, maybe ask you questions, but won't necessarily step into your territory to push on that or push that unless there's some kind of opening. And sometimes that opening happens very early in a completely new, a person who's not even a student, who's not actually there, but there's an openness that shows up. And if the teaching person it is a teacher, then they see that open. Sometimes the more someone practices, the more the stronger the shield gets because they are um, protecting themselves because they feel as long the longer they sit, the, the more threatened they feel. So the more they start building up a shield, you can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. It has to be done with awareness. It can't be done but with some kind of logic or. Uh, but it seems that the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the three jewels, that particular structure is extremely good at kind of keeping things from leaking off in one direction or another. That's why I say you don't have to understand any of this, but you need to study it. You should always study and don't particularly look for results. There's no test at the end of the string of classes or whatever. There's no nothing to graduate from. Shoka, do you have further questions about friendship? Shokabai, is there a, a relative friendship that doesn't support? Of course there is. There's going to be that also. I mean, there's going to be, if, if, so, if someone is confused and is not clear and is not uh, realized, they don't realize their true nature, then there's going to be some confusion. Uh, that person that you may, uh, someone who's a friend uh, may, may function in some way that they kind of see that uh, and you kind of see their confusion. Usually that's the case. We see other people's uh, uh, difficulty much easier than we can see our own. I look around. You can see, as soon as somebody opens their mouth, you can see how, just exactly how they're not quite on track like you are. Very curious situation. So I say, yes, you can, you can have a very close friend. Or you can have a Dharma a person in the Dharma. Uh, you, I mean, it can, it can function on any level. You can be friends with your teacher. You can be friends with your teacher's students. If you're trying to get something out of the friendship, then it's going to be difficult. Going to be more challenging because the cycles that go round and around, even though for the first three months, six months, eight months, two years, everything's going to be fine. If you're hiding something, if something is hiding out, if you're putting down at something, something comes around. Uh, the sun always rises. 
and everything gets bright and you can see it. So nothing lasts. Everything is, uh, anything that is moving is usually doing it in some kind of a cycle, but it proves nothing. It doesn't mean we can use the cycle to manipulate our world or manipulate our relationships or manipulate our uh, uh, bank investments. I know lots and lots of astrologers. Probably if I went down the list, I'd be several, maybe hundreds. I don't know a single one that's gotten wealthy using astrology to go to Las Vegas or the casino. It does not work that way. Sometimes they'll promote it that way. But the way it does work is if in kind of a cyclic movement, some people just seem to be very, very lucky. And sometimes that shows up in some kind of astrological configuration. And sometimes it does not. No guarantee of anything, even though a particular system like that can show up a lot of qualities that are different than another person. You still uh, you know, have to go back and read the title of the book that uh, Suzuki Roshi, Roshi's uh, students uh, published of his called Not Always So. You can't find anything that's always the truth because it's relative. Doing the best I can. I guess I'll just have to stop drinking cream or something or chewing. Uh, what is it that I've been chewing on? Beach nut tobacco. Yeah, gotta stop that. How do you, or can you cultivate openness with the teacher? Bowing. I, I don't know if it would be called cultivation, but I think you can. Just uh, the idea is to, insofar as the structure is there where you can stay in touch with the teacher, that's good. Stay in touch with the, with the, the person that the teacher, uh, has the, 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 the people, the sangha that the, are close to the teacher. I think it varies with each, each situation, with each teacher and each uh, sangha. The best way to, to uh, express devotion to the teacher, and this isn't my idea, this is something that I, I think is true, but it was, uh, I heard it a long time ago, probably 40 years ago, and that's practice a lot. Train your mind practice. So anytime you do meet, meet the teacher, it's not, it's coming out of as much awareness practice, as much study, and as much working with a Sangha as you can. So you're doing that part because when you meet the teacher, this is the, the this is the Buddha part. The, the, the teacher may not, uh, you know, uh, line up with your idea of the Buddha, but they're functioning that way. They're functioning as the teaching person, that part of the three jewels, the living part rather than uh, the idealized version, uh, which is the Buddha in, in history. We need to look at that also, of course. So train your mind, St practice a lot, sit a lot, listen to what the teacher says. You don't have to believe it, but consider it. Consider what the teacher says about you, about your, about your world, about this world. Yes. Further, earlier you were saying that Sometimes practitioners, the more they practice, the more vulnerable they feel. So they put up more shield. Yes. So I guess I'm wondering what to do if you see that happening in yourself. Just, just look at, again, it's the same old word. Just observe that. Just watch that happen. If you watch it happen, if you try to fight with it, uh, then it goes underground or it changes shape. Uh, it takes, puts on disguises and it starts to hide out. But if you're just willing to be that, if you're just willing to be be that person who is doing that, in other words, the teaching, the, the recommendations, just be genuine. If you feel like you're you're slowly getting more and more 
self-deceptive, more and more hiding out. Uh, that might be something that's been there all along, but now you're just starting to see it because of the practice. Again, again, that part of cause and effect shows up in that way. A lot of practice, we begin to see more deeply uh, how foolish we are. If you have more about that question, I'd be happy to respond to it. I'm not very clear on the question, but it just seems like it naturally gets harder. The further you get in, it gets more subtle and maybe you're seeing things that you've been pushing away. So I guess, is there any recommendation for dealing with stronger energy the further we get? Um, well, there's lots of things I could, you know, generically, I could say, yes, go into retreat if you can. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to tell anybody to go into retreat. Uh, maybe a few people, if we get in a conversation, I might say this is a good idea. <laughs> Some people want to go into, into retreat. And can't because of their work or because of the whole COVID thing is uh, changing things around. Do some intense solitary practice would be a good idea. If you're feeling strongly about the things you're bringing up, then uh, more practice, more of a willingness to see the nature of the very thing you're describing. When you say, how do you work with that? Or how, I'm wondering how we can work with that. I'm saying that's one of the ways to do to do that is to strengthen your awareness of that by sitting down, be aware of practice shikantaza more. Uh, uh, do some uh, isolating yourself, uh, going to retreat so that you're working on a fundamental situation every day. Uh, eat, sleep, uh, meditate, bathe, read, go back to bed and sleep and then and do the same thing over and over again. So that repetition, uh, one's understanding begins to uh, begins to go deeper into that area of uh, deception. So the deception itself is, is just, you can't get rid of the deception because for one thing, there's no deceiver. There's no one there that's doing that. That's a concoction. That's the original deception is thinking there is someone. And then what our emotions tend to supercharge that I'm the person who's being put upon by that person or this situation. I'm the one that's being mistreated. And if you, if you're, as you've heard me say many times, it's not that you're not being mistreated. Of course you are. It's the world. Relative truth is not only everywhere, but most people believe it, lock down on it and, and lock and load and carry flag and carry. And I'm not saying some of them are relatively really right. And some of them are relatively really horrible, incorrect and are abusive and dangerous. Of course, it's the relative truth. It's samsara You're going to have that. But to second emotion in that area is uh you can, if you need to do that, I would, I always say, do whatever you have to do. If you have to do it, do it. Go ahead. But if you don't, don't do it. And what I would say is, if you're listening to me, then I would say what you should be doing is train your mind, sit down, hold still and watch the movement so that when you get up off the cushion, I say this over and over and over again, you get up off the cushion and go into your post meditation, your everyday life, there's less likelihood you're going to believe your thoughts about what you're seeing. <clears throat> it's not that you're not seeing it. But it's your thoughts about it that makes it uh, worse in the sense that you tend to close off what you see and, and buy into the ideas about what you see, or you close off what you see and buy into the ideas of what you think that you see, which is the same thing as uh, thinking that you see what you what is in front of you rather than uh, actually seeing what's in front of you, which is also uh, what you believe. <clears throat> I'm glad I was able to make that clear to you. You know what I'm talking about. This is, this is not circular. It's not circular. Of course it's circular. 
we can't talk without being circular. But you have to say something. So I'm saying, train your mind. That's also circular. Train your mind. Come back. Come back to that cushion over and over and over again. Repetition, repetition. Come back to this study. Come back to the Sangha. <clears throat> Those of you who have received Jukai, notice that you say you take refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha. But you only say, I return. You only say that when you receive Jukai. That's because of the way that I want to do this. You, but remember what you said. I return to the Buddha. I return to the Dharma. I return to the Sangha. They're just empty structures that will help you uh, approach ultimate reality and realize your true nature, which is not separate from the awakened one. Shokabang. So as we practice more and more, there may be a feeling of vulnerability. Yes. What is that vulnerability? Well, just just like the, the more you sandblast something, uh, the more the, the protective shield starts to come apart. And sitting down looking at a wall is like sandblasting uh, all the protective layers around your self-centeredness, your ego, your, your the whole contraption of me and my stuff and my beliefs and what I think is right and what I think is wrong. That, that stuff, the image that I'm using, the metaphor may not work so well, but it's the more you do this, the more the closer. This is why uh, there's a there is a an uh, a, uh, immediate path right now. Awaken now. Buddha now. And there's the gradual path. Gradually seeing, gradually working your way into this. Both of those are necessary. The northern school, the southern school, the leave the politics in ancient China. We don't need those. Leave them with waning and his uh, entourage. So you're just going, as you feel more vulnerable, it's because some of the protection is falling away. Just a way of talking about it. It might be, it might be operating in, in some other way, but since you're asking me the question, that's how it looks over here. Knowing you, knowing the situation that you find yourself in based on not only what you say, but how you act. That's what I say is probably happening. What's the vulnerability when uh, self has been seen through. Uh, if there's still vulnerability there, then the self has not been seen through. You, you think you might think that self has been seen through, but a, uh, an idea that the self has been seen through is just an idea. Can't, if you think you've seen through the self, those are thought patterns about something. So if, if you've seen what this is, you are no longer vulnerable to anything. I'm not saying you're going to, as I said, I'm saying you're going to stay in a burning building because you're so damned invulnerable. You might be invulnerable, but you're not stupid. You get out of the damn building and take anybody with you who seems to be stupid. Don't let them make a choice, in other words. So if you're if, if you're clear about what this is, you, you are fearless. When I say fearless, there, there could be fear, but it can't find anybody who's afraid. It can't find a locus of, of uh, fear or terror that is solidified into someone who is shaking in their boots or someone who is uh, so terrified, which it, this is quite often the way the fear shows up is not fear. I mean, the, it, it shows up, it, it, it turns over into pride and the pride gets puffed up and gets angry and indignant and goes to Lansing with an AK 47 and, and shakes their fist and makes threats to the, the police or to the, and threatens to hang the governor. It's they're they're confused. They're suffering. They don't know what to do. So um, they're <laughs> they're torturing people so they don't feel bad. <clears throat> Simply put, political part is uh, don't, don't even go there. That's that's a 
Uh, that's a bridge too far. But the fundamental situation is they're terrified and they cover it up with anger. Simply put, they would never know that and they would get enraged at you if you said that, because that that would be challenging their what masculinity, their swastikas or whatever. But we don't need to go into the politics of it. I'm not here to um, um, go into that area. But I'm just saying that that's a good area where you can see the intense rage come up that covers up the fear, the the. Uh, not to just go into the masculine part of, part of it particularly, but the little boy who's terrified. Anytime there's fear of, of anything and then a rage comes up over it, uh, that's, uh, watch Rumi. I'm not accusing Rumi of anything, but his, his fear, what's running his, uh, his uh, rage. It's obvious if you want to see it, but you can't, you can't correct that. It's none of your business to correct that. Although parents tend to misunderstand that and, uh, sometimes beat the daylights out of their kids when they have a when they have an explosive temper. Not a good idea. I've been exploring the vulnerable vulnerability lately in my practice because I've been really tightly wound most of my life and trying to let that go. And I noticed as I become just allow my vulnerability, it's people out around me. They don't know how to act with that. So what's your I'm question? Sure. What's the question? I don't know what to do with. Their reaction. Don't do anything. It's none of your business. Let them react. Okay. Let them notice. Notice uh, as they're reacting. Uh, notice that your hand changes from this side of your face to this side of your face. Keep your own counsel. Mind your own business. It's none of your business how they're reacting. Let them do whatever they want. Uh, if they're reacting to you, then then that's their way of working with their confusion relative to their misunderstanding of what's going on with you. Explain nothing. Explain nothing. Uh, the closest you should come to explaining anyone to anyone who's getting weirded out the way you characterize it is like this. Let's say I'm looking at you. Well, let's say I'm looking at one of your uh, people that get weirded out and I'm you. Okay. You're saying something, doing something, acting in such, such a way that's weirding them out. Do this. Or you can do this one. Don't leave, but don't join. And don't don't obstruct and and allow them to have their confusion because you, nothing lasts. But if you do anything with it, it, they'll perpetuate that and try to and it'll be like a, a loyalty oath to their own confusion. They can't back up. But if you don't do anything, if you don't fuel it by pushing, you don't fuel it by explaining, you don't fuel it by objecting, you don't fuel it by leaving them or abandoning them or breaking eye contact with them. You, know, you you just need to stay, you just need to have your own integral, it's called integrity. You just need to have your own basic body-mind integrity. And how do you get that? Sit down and face the wall and do it for the next several years, several decades. It takes a long time. So don't don't buy into it. Explain nothing. Let them walk out of the room going, what's up with Katie? And then let them talk it out. And they might come back in and say, uh, Katie, have you seen a have you seen a therapist? And then you, and you could say, you know, I have, I have seen a therapist. And they say, oh, good, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, she she's a really good friend of mine. Uh, yeah, you know, you just you don't have to buy into it. You don't have to abandon it. You don't have to agree. You don't have to disagree. Less is better. Don't don't save them from from their confusion. Be a true friend to them and, and don't meddle with their confusion by trying to explain to them something about yourself that you don't even understand. 
you don't know why you're here. Anybody here who's practicing in Dharma is not really clear what this is about. Have you noticed? I was looking for a reference point. And sometimes we can find just enough of a reference point to bring us back to the study group the next day. And sometimes we can't. And sometimes we just can't do this. So there's no, nothing to correct. If you're here and you want to do this, I'll help you. If you want to do something else, I won't object. But since you asked me that question, I would say less is better. Meet them with your eye contact, with your body language. Be present. And even if they if they put you on the spot, say, so what's going on? What's happening? And you, could, you could actually say, I don't know. I'm doing okay. Or you could say, um, well, things are coming and going. I'm just doing the best I can. Kind of pacify it. Make nothing out of it. Never mention meditation. They're, they're looking for something they can hook their their point their big finger pointers on. And if you tell them you're meditating, which maybe you already have, uh, then they're gonna then they might not do it to you, but they'll do it back in the in the coat room or in the the sugar shack or whatever's around the corner. Yeah, and I know what she's at. You know, she was fine until she started that damn meditation. Who knew? I couldn't stop her. She's a grown woman. I tried to tell her that's a cult. Don't do that. <laughs> All that being said, I would say just, you know, even something I haven't even mentioned, just trust yourself, just be genuine. But I, I, the thing I would, I would stick with, don't explain too much. You talk a lot anyway. You talk enough already. Slow down. Go slow. You're yes, welcome. Yes. The term Kalyanamitra. And it, a lot of times with a friend, it seems like it's a mutual or an equal situation. And with the use of friend, when you're talking about someone who is your teacher, is there still that hierarchy functioning? Bowing? Absolutely. Kalyanamitra freely translates as companion in the virtue. And that may mean uh, another bodhisattva or maybe your spiritual guide, your, your actual spiritual friend. In the in the uh, Tibetan tradition and somewhat in the Indian traditions, it is called a, a root guru or the or the uh, sat guru, true teacher. But that has that's, those words are loaded with a lot of uh, uh, cultural chemistry. True teacher works fine. In other words, someone who teaches out of what they see and understand. Not just out of the relative. They teach out of the relative part of it, too, but they also teach out of the realization. If they're not realized, then you'll be able to tell. You'll see them searching for how they can control you or convince you or how they can look better. How they can swear less. You sometimes refer to Trungpa Rinpoche as your root guru. Yes. And Trungpa even makes a distinction between a Kalyanamitra and a Vajra master. And I'm wondering what the difference <clears throat> between those two relationships are, Bowing. So Kalyanamitra is more of a Mahayana kind of term. And uh, a Vajra master is, a, uh, is the um, <clears throat> tantric uh, term for uh, a completely enlightened um, wisdom teacher teaching out of the, out of the, that particular lineage, the adamantine, indestructible realization, indestructible samadhi, the vajra-like samadhi, the vajra-like, it's, you can't take it away. It's, it's like a diamond. If it were something, it'd be a diamond, but it's not anything, so it doesn't even need to be a diamond. There's nothing in particular, and it's everything all at once. And so the vajra master, sometimes the, 
because the Tibetans uh, have some political things going on there. They want you to uh, think of that as being the true spiritual path. But, um, you know, even uh, Trungpa, just to give you a little bit of an idea of what Trungpa Rinpoche was working with there, he you need to have something to work with. So Vajra Master works, Vajrayana works, the three vehicles, the Hinayana, the Mahayana, the Vajrayana works, the, the, uh, the, um, um, the three vehicles work in different ways, depending on who's teaching and how that shows up. But the, but uh, uh, Suzuki Roshi was a was a uh, was a Soto Zen monk uh, who died in his late seventies or no or no late sixties. I don't know if he even made it to seventy. But when Trungpa Rinpoche was asked uh, if he uh, asked about um, um, Suzuki Roshi, who would never studied any Vajrayana or uh, didn't study the Mantrayana at all, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche affirmed that he was a Vajra master. So it's about, it's not just the school, it's about the ability to teach uh, out of one's, uh, out of one's heart. Wisdom. Wisdom is not a person. A person's long dead. And, and it's not something you believe. You don't believe in that type of thing. Like someone, if you say something about anything, if you notice some people say, well, do you believe that? And we'll say, no, not really. Well, I'm not sure. I kind of believe it, but I'm not sure. But, you know, the whole idea of belief and disbelief is a, makes things more difficult to operate that way. More questions about that are fine. Come this way and ask. If, you, if I can help you in any way, I'd be, I'll try to respond to anything you ask me about. Excuse me, it's maybe a little personal, but um, sometimes when you talk about the student-teacher relationship and you just kind of say you need to give the teacher the benefit of the doubt, that just doesn't feel like enough to me. And it feels like at some point it goes beyond that. And I guess I was wondering about that with the distinction between a Kalyama Mitra and a if that relationship goes beyond just kind of giving the teacher the benefit of the doubt. So, yeah, it does. But, you know, it's very individual. And our culture is so fraught with misconceptions, misunderstandings, and people manipulating everybody that I think that that has to happen very slowly. We're not really, you know, if you went to, uh, if you went to, uh, some kind of Tibet, or if you talk to people who are practicing, uh, the Tibetans are practicing Tibetan Buddhism, and some aspects, uh, even now, of uh, Indian culture, which uh, possibly Chisho could make a comment on that. But there, there's the, the devotional uh, quality of uh, culture that has been supporting something for thousands, hundreds, and or thousands of years is really powerful. And so the cultural context there, there there's no real doubt about the, 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 the guru. Uh, or a disciple uh, situation. That's something that is totally supported in, in those in those cultures. I'm not saying everybody's doing it these days, but that, there's a lot of that is still there. And so uh, it seems to take a lot of a strong connection with a with a teacher, uh, because you're going to run into stuff uh, through through this path that is going to be really crunchy and difficult. So that connection with a teacher, someone you can, I don't know how else to say it, because I don't I say don't trust me, don't believe a word I say, but I. I that's because I don't want you to do any guesswork. This doesn't work for you. Go somewhere else. But if you want me to function as a teacher, then give me the benefit of the doubt. That's about as close I can, as I can come to telling you that you should uh, believe what I'm saying or be devoted. Because that's your business. But you may have to do that. And that may be difficult. 
you may not be able to do that. And if you can't, it's not a problem. There's always uh, there's always other teachers, perhaps. There's always other lifetimes. Nothing stops that hasn't started. What started stops. But what hasn't started is not going anywhere. This, this is a Buddhist version of faith. You don't need proof. If you need proof, then it's not faith. Save all beings. Put everybody before yourself. See how hard, that, how hard that is to do. Put everyone before yourself. Just, just reflect on that a little bit. This is what the teaching person is about, just to, to um, give you an example of that. Not because they're going to appear as some kind of a martyr. I'm not going to even use that word because that's a, an ego word. It's about someone who sacrifices something. The Bodhisattva doesn't sacrifice anything. The Bodhisattva is not separate from anything. None of his business or her business. More? Jason? Not yet. Saito bowing. Saito. How can one be a better friend? Bowing. <clears throat> so as far as... Uh, in the Dharma is stay connected with the Sangha, with those people who are your Dharma brothers and sisters, which could be, it could be people from other lineages, but it's a lot more difficult. It's hard enough just to be friends with the, the students of your teacher. And just the chemistry there is, can be quite varied. So I would say, uh, stay connected, do what you do. You show up on book study. This is, as I've said many times, this isn't just about learning the Dharma courses, but you can study the Dharma on your own. It's different to discuss it with other people who are also studying that material, especially if you study the same text over and over and over and over again. And you find that it's a little bit different every time you study it. And you, you work with those particular people. Just showing up to me as, a, as your teacher, uh, just seeing you without even seeing your picture, just seeing your name on, uh, on the screen on book study. Uh, not every day, but quite often you're on there. So that. That means something to me as far as I know, because we, we have, even though you're not talking to me very much, perhaps you're connected with the Sangha. You come on, you stay connected with the Sangha. And that means you're studying the Dharma or you, because this is what we do. But it's also Sangha, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. And I come on at the end and respond to questions. So it's kind of a, I just happened to show up out of the situation. I didn't really particularly invent it. So I think you're a, uh, I think you're already doing it, but since you had the question, uh, maybe you have a further question about that or maybe something about your specific situation that that I could comment on. I don't know what it would be. Saito Bowing, it seems like for me, a lot of times being a friend shows up as doing stuff for people. And I just often wonder if, that doesn't cloud the friendship by putting me in a position where, you know, mm -hmm. I might be feeling superior because I'm able to help bowing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, I, I think uh, f from what, what you're asking and the way it shows up, I would say you're, you're fine. There's nothing to particularly be concerned about. You help people. As long as I've known you, you've always been very helpful in the Sangha. You've done what you can in lots of different ways. 
I don't see anything to particularly correct or fix or adjust. Important thing is to practice. Practice and study, practice and study. Working, sit, sit down and look, hold still and watch what moves, working with the intuition, getting up off the cushion or staying in the cushion and reading the Dharma, looking at the concepts and seeing what those concepts are pointing to. They're pointing beyond themselves and doing that, joining with others and to discuss that material, which is what we do every day and been doing for years and years. It's a powerful, you know, the kind of progress you're making there may not show up as some kind of a tick mark. Uh, or, you know, a notch in your uh, uh, meditation belt. Have a little time if, there, if there's a further question. I would, I would try to respond to it in a helpful way. Friendship. Interesting area. Shokabang, can we know what our relationship is to someone else? <clears throat> well, I, I think we could probably have a comment on it. We, could, we, we roughly know what it is. But... Uh, fundamentally, probably not. If, if you find out who you are, fundamentally, so there's no doubts. If you have any doubt about who you are, then you have work to do. But but if you know who you are, then you know who everyone else is. You don't necessarily know the content of their mind. You don't know whether they've murdered somebody or not, although you probably have a rough idea. And so you're not going to know any uh, the history situation isn't going to be so strong because that's not that important. What's important is what? right now right now it's always now it's never then it's always now it's never then never then in the future never then in the past it's an illusion and a really really powerful one with lots of really really colorful paint and briar patches Thumbtacks. Monsters. It's full of that. It's full of that stuff. It's full of it in our mind. It's scary. It's full of, a, it's full of it in the world. It's scary. It's, this world is frightening right now. It's getting uh, more and more tipsy uh, from so many different areas. We all know. Just watch the news a little bit. Especially the fake news. That's the really... That's the part that's really pointing at it. That's why people keep calling it fake. It's just a lot easier to call it that. Come on, you guys. You guys are sitting here. I'm sitting here. Uh, I don't know whether this seems like a valuable situation to you or not, but it certainly would be valuable to me if I were sitting in front of my teacher. Close on by. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I'm shaking my head yes. Um, I've heard the term Samaya vows as it relates to teaching teacher in the yeah. Vajrayana. What is that about, Don? Samaya is a, the Tibetan is Damshig, and Damshig means a binding binding of the guru and the yidam or the meditation deity to the student. Tied up. So it's 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 that kind of about Samaya. And it and it's it, it only means what you it only means what you give it. And it's a it's still a relative situation. So it's it is a it is a, uh, a device to help one with one's awareness to transcend this world, to, to stop continually spinning around in samsara and going to hell and coming back into the God realm and going back to hell and going into the jealous uh, God realm and into the hungry ghost realm and around and around and around and around. 
very difficult. I'm not recommending people practice this uh, medieval practice of Vajrayana. I don't ask anybody for Samaya vows. So that, that's what it is, I mean, technically. I don't know if you have any other questions about it. But it's just a way of being of uh, bringing yourself into something where you're really you're going to do this no matter what you're you're going to you're going to take these vows that are going to help. And one of the reasons they have this is it's so easy to wander away from it. It's so easy to just get tied up in something else, especially when the body mind drops. You know, so you're doing as much as you can so that you can insulate yourself when the body mind goes away. So you have as much of a connection as possible. So. The, of course, the imagine the uh, the imagination or the projection is that you're going to come back, and you want to be able to find the the Buddhist path. You don't want to be born in in, in uh, Tanambogo Gavutu or Sumatra, Borneo, or uh, or in a raft out in the South China Sea. So you're doing everything you can do, and Samaya is a way of doing that. I think my question around there, not knowing a lot about it, was maybe about devotion. It seems like. Yes. Um, when it gets difficult, sometimes it's having some kind of structure to bind yourself to the teachings and the teacher, no matter what, when it gets tough. Yeah, it, it does. And so I, as those of you who have been studying with me for a while, uh, um, know that I relate to everybody a little bit differently. We don't have a cultural context like Vajrayana that goes back centuries. We're in the West. We're in a, and we're not only in the West. We're in a really kind of insane country that who that, that doesn't have a strong. The only spiritual path there is a uh, not particularly helpful because it's so much tied into a, a belief in some kind of uh, otherness. Not that it's wrong. It's just that they can't agree on it. So therefore, there's no. Even the Tibetans couldn't agree. They have the, the Galugpas, the Kadampas, the Sakyapas, and the Nyingmas. And the, it's just a, everybody has a different take on what should be done, how, how we should do this. And there was even fighting between those. Here they are Buddhists, and they're fighting about and trying to manipulate the other schools. So pretty hard to get away from that. So very hard, very important to find a true teacher. And if you're, if you, Find one, then do what they say. I mean, you're, you're asking me about it. And I'm, I'm also saying, don't do anything unless you have to. But if you have to do it, then do it. Do it. Listen to what's being said. And practice. Practice like your hair is on fire. Because it is, in a sense, it is. You, your body mind could drop any, especially in this environment we're in right now. People's body mind complexes drop surprisingly. Uh, suddenly. So find out who you are. Find out what this is. And so that, that whole culture of Tibetan Buddhism is, it, it also, it, it comes out of uh, ancient India. It comes out of intense uh, devotion to the, to the guru. And, uh, um, and I'm not at war with any of that. I say, I, I leave it up to you. You tell me how much, uh, what kind of connection you want with me as a Dharma teacher. I know what mine is with my, with my, uh, my root guru, my guru. I call him my guru. I don't want you calling me guru. Not necessary. Teacher's good enough. This means the same thing. But I, I, I was, uh, please go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought that you were finished. 
You've been talking about the connection that you keep the connection, you feel the connection with your teachers even after they die. Yes. I'm wondering about the connection with the teacher after we die in the stages of Bardo. Is there any connection maintained there? Um, but, but there's no guarantee of anything, but there's more probably more of a chance. I'm not saying we're getting into gambling about it particularly, but there's more of a chance that that connection, if you make that connection now, then uh, then there there could be some continuity there, but, but there's no guarantee. Maria Bowing, um, how do we know that we that we have that connection except feeling feeling that connection? Is there anything else which can confirm that that connection actually is? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. I mean, you, you either have the connection or you don't have the connection or you want the connection. You try to find out a way to increase the connection. It seems to be different with each person. And we, we don't have the cultural support that, say, they would have in Tibet or in India or Japan or China over centuries of, of Buddhism being in all of those countries. It's only been here a little over 100 years, uh, technically, and actually as far as a... a, a a spiritual force or a, shall we use the fancy word, a soteriological force to actually begin to transform uh, people's uh, understanding of what a living being is uh, since the uh, mid to late 60s. When the, when the, there, there were Buddhist teachers here before then, but they, they didn't have the effect on people that they started to have in the, in the 60s. For instance, when the Suzuki Roshi Okay, and then some other uh, Zen teachers, Kategori Roshi, Kobanjina Roshi, Thich Nhat Hanh came during the Vietnam conflict. So it's started to really affect people, but it's it's not a, even now, if someone were to uh, drive, drive by the monastery, have no idea what it is. If they were to see something, one of me or anyone else in, in robes, you know, they I mean, they could think you're a Muslim, or uh, or anything, because they don't have no have no idea. There's no, and we don't particularly promote it or go and publicize anything. The only public uh, Buddhist really is the Dalai Lama. Just about everybody uh, knows the Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama, Dolly Parton. I mean, it's a it's a cultural situation that is there, and, and he he's a wonderful. He handles that beautifully. He and Richard Gear together, it's a good team. And I'm not mocking him at all. Uh, I I met him, I, so I know what a what a powerful uh, presence he is or has. So we just have to go slow. We're we have a monastery. The only one I know of, there might be another one in Michigan that I don't know about it, but there could be. There's not many. So it's a way for people to do this, for a way for people to become monks and make make this their whole life about the spiritual path or become or be householders. And, and just like when uh, Sato is asking about, you know, what, you know, what I think you're doing fine. Anybody, if you show up on here, participate, uh, we have this COVID situation going and uh, I would say, luckily, we have uh, this incredible internet situation. If this had happened 20 years ago, we'd be, uh, what, in the dark? <laughs> Pretty much. We'd be all on dial-up phones. 
One more question, if you had it, especially about friendship. Excuse me, Brian. You, you brought up the idea of an agenda or mentioned that relative to friendship. And I wonder if all friendships have some agenda to them and if that gets in the way. I, I don't think anything gets in the way as long as you're aware. My main uh, go-to word, if you haven't noticed, is aware, aware, aware. Don't change anything. You, you know, you might have to continue. It might have to be a, have a lot of difficulty in a particular way that other another person may be able to just sidestep a particular kind of difficulty, and you might just have to deal with that for years. So it's not about getting rid of anything. Just be as vividly aware of everything. Uh, and this is something about when we talk about uh, addictions. It's, it's the awareness power, it's the awareness so that so that when you do understand that, when you do understand that, it's not about getting rid of it, because if you if you get rid of it, it's going to come back. But now if it just collapses because it no longer no longer gets any fuel, you're going to have difficulty coming back because it doesn't have your uh, your your combination lock anymore because you actually stop fueling it or feeding it instead of covering it up. It seems like it's a really fine line for me between an agenda like reifying a self and trying to be with a situation. So I'm wondering how we can see what agendas we bring into our friendships clearly. Um, I, it's, you know, specifically, maybe it would be something where we have an expectation about someone who's our friend and we kind of expect them to take care of this or take care of that. And they don't. And then, then we can see how uh, that there, there was a, it's a relative situation. We were depending on them to do something. We had an expectation. Is that what you're referring to? That kind of thing. Jeez, I'm I don't. I don't think so. I, I guess this thing that shows up for me is there's an energy for me that shows up as like wanting to be a friend or show up as someone who's friendly. And I wonder if that's an agenda I'm bringing into my friendships. Sure. But you don't have to. You don't have to not do that. It's uh, it, it's not it. It's not so much about getting rid of agendas. It's just being aware of them. Just be aware of dependent origination. Be aware of cause and effect. Be aware of what comes and goes and comes and goes. Anytime you have a preference about anything, this uh, there's a fuel line running from that preference, whether it's satisfied or not satisfied or it's ignored, right up to the self-centered that that keeps the keeps that self-centeredness. Um, keeps it in plenty of nutrients to keep going as somebody. So when there's a disappointment, just let it lay there. Just let the disappointment do whatever it wants to rather than add on ideas about the disappointment. Well, I shouldn't be disappointed or the reason I'm disappointed is because of this, because they did this or this or this. And if they were really my friend, they, they wouldn't do that. I mean, I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm not accusing you of anything, but I say doing anything with anything that occurs, doing anything with it, continually perpetuates uh, dependent origination, perpetuates the, the, the cloud of, uh, of confusion. Okay, well, we can close, I guess. Huh? Dedicate the At the monastery, if you could dedicate the temple, uh, uh, dedicate the uh, merit. <laughs> Thank you. May the merit of this country into all places so that we never eat something being together and realize the Buddha's way.
Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with life. 